So what happens when the dog catches the car? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, our sponsor today is Fresh Books. You can get a free 30-day unrestricted trial for Fresh Books to help you with your accounting. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Well, yes, I am Dan Mellor and you're listening to 48 Days Radio, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is profitable as well as meaningful and fulfilling. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Now, we've all seen this played out. You know, you see a dog catching or chasing a car. I mean, just going as fast as he can. Well, the thrill is in the chase. What happens if he catches the car? Now, most of us spend our entire lives chasing the dream of having enough. So what happens when that goal is met? Do we stop? Or is there reason to keep working anyway? Now, one listener today we've got is facing that challenge. So we're going to talk about it in this episode. Here's some other things we'll be looking at. Dan, do you think some sort of good news could be a meaningful, purposeful, and profitable business? Very interesting question. I'm a 45-year-old woman and have no idea what my purpose or passion is. Dan, my wife refuses to think about long-range plans. How should I charge my friends for my services? And this one, Dan, I have a paid-off house, plenty in retirement, savings to travel the world for years with our kids and cash to spare, and have lost my passion for doing anything. Well, you know I've got good news as well. And a whole lot more questions if we have time to get to them. Here's our quotation for today. Comes from Horace. And it says, as a rule, adversity reveals genius and prosperity hides it. Now that obviously relates to the leading question today. If you have everything you need, this quotation is saying it may blunt and bury and hide your genius. It's the adversity that reveals genius. Again, the quotation is, as a rule, adversity reveals genius and prosperity hides it. Well, here's our poem from Cliff Feitner. Adds these in every week. Got new ones, a whole bunch to draw from. I picked one out today and it is this. You need to be having a dream to outline your life's scheme It's your decision in having a vision that helps you rise to the top like the cream. Love those things. Love those little poems from our buddy Cliff. Cliff is active in 48 Days Eagles, sharing some updated poems there. He'll often, you know, create a little poem for somebody's question that they pose, but seems to be a a wellspring, an inexhaustible wellspring of uh, creating these little poems to remind us what life is all about. Well, let me tell you about FreshBooks, and then we'll get right into our questions. 
So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging? Yeah, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for being self-employed. Now, to meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. You can see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. All right, now you know I've been including good news. It just I've been so impressed with the quantity of negative news that's out there. So I want to throw just a couple items in each week that are good news. Now here's one. World's first battery-free phone could spell the end of charging cables and dead batteries. Now it does a whole lot more than that, but think about that. The researchers at University of Washington have just constructed the world's first battery-free phone. I mean, the phone is powered by a few microwatts of ambient radio signals and light that are just drawn from the surrounding area. Now think about that, what that can do. For one thing, that can make phones available to a lot more people. But when we think about the technology of batteries as it is, I had this discussion with Jared, my son, as we traveled the other day. We were talking about the fact that we have the technology to have light bulbs that would never wear out. But think what that does to the light bulb industry if we, in fact, produce those. It puts a whole lot of people and companies out of business, essentially. There are a lot of things we have where built-in obsolescence is part of the business plan. But I love these things that come along. So phones where we may not even need a battery. Hey, keep your eyes open for that. It's coming. Well, here's another note. Man had heartwarming reason for proposing to his girlfriend's sister first. Now, when you think about that, that sounds kind of odd. But here's the deal. Ashley Schaus and her sister Hannah has have always been very close, which is why Ashley's boyfriend recently got down on one knee for both of them. When Ashley and her boyfriend, Will Seaton started dating, she made it very clear that she and Hannah were a package deal. Since 15-year-old Hannah has Down syndrome and diabetes, Ashley was always careful to make sure that her sister felt included while they were growing up. Additionally, Ashley is prepared to take over as Hannah's legal guardian, when their parents can't care for her anymore. So before boyfriend Will proposed, before he popped the question to Ashley, he first proposed to her sister, 15-year-old Hannah with Down syndrome, and asked if she would be his best friend forever. When Hannah said yes, he then turned to Ashley and asked if she would be his wife. Needless to say, she said yes. Isn't that a great story? Love those things. Good news is all around us. Believe me, we can find it. Well, here's one. 
just from the 4th of July here, there were some policemen who answered a street complaint uh, who decided to join in on the fun instead. I love this kind of story. Instead of shutting down the slip and slide at the neighborhood Independence Day block party, these police officers decided to join in on the fun instead. So they were North Carolina policemen. They were called to an Asheville, North Carolina, 4th of July party because of a slip and slide that had been constructed in the road. Now, the road has a nice natural descent to it. So a bunch of community dads got together and put black plastic down and created a slip and slide. But, you know, some neighbor decided that that was not appropriate. It was blocking traffic. Well, when the officers arrived in the scene, they affirmed that the slide was not blocking the road. It was still narrow enough for cars to pass. So they asked if they could take a turn down the watery slide. That There's a video out there on that, but just a great example of building trust between law enforcement and the community. Man, those are the kind of... Those are the kind of police I want to have in in our community. Those are the kind I want to have come out here when they get orders to come out here and shut the sanctuary down. Those are the kind of guys I want kind of then sit in the front porch with me and talk about their kids and how good life is here in our county where we live. Now, this leads me into a first question. And I kind of pulled those because because I had this question. This comes from Joe, who says, Dan, I really like the good news that you're starting to add to your 48 Days Online radio show. I've often thought that the news on TV and in the papers could be more positive. Do you think some sort of good news could be a meaningful, purposeful, and profitable business? And Joe goes on, I've been interested in good news since I was a teenager. I'm now in my 40s working as a mechanical engineer in a corporate job since I'm the main source of income. For our family of five kids, I'm probably not likely to do something in good news as a full-time business right away, but I could imagine a side business along these lines. Well, <laughs> my, my, uh, my news, my response is not good news, uh, Joe, because I think it would be very difficult to have a profitable business that was based on good news only. I mean, our culture has proven that to not be true. I mean, that's why we have CNN. Peter Diamandis refers to as constantly negative news. I mean, it is. It is just that. You know, in the brand new issue of Success Magazine, there's an article by Michelle uh, by Michelle Gielan, who is, um, no, wait a minute. Anyway, I think she is the wife of Sean Anker who wrote the book on happiness. So here's, here's how she starts out. My friends thought I was insane. I had worked incredibly hard to land the opportunity to anchor two national newscasts at CBS News. Every morning, more than 1 million people tuned in for their daily dose of current events from me, Michelle Gaon. But the content was so negative, I realized I didn't want a small child walking through the room while I was doing my job. That's when I knew I needed a change. Wow, here she had an anchor news position with CBS and realized she wouldn't want her own children to be watching the news. The news. Here's another piece from this same thing. This is a study by the Huffington Post that shows just three minutes of negative news in the morning increases your chances of having a bad day by 27% as reported six to eight hours later. Now get that. So just three minutes of negative news in the morning increases your chances of having a bad day as reported eight hours later. 
Why would you do that? Why would you submit your brain to that kind of input, knowing that you increase the odds of you having a bad day? I mean, you start to think about those things. My goodness. I mean, last night I had, uh, I was watching, I was actually watching a documentary on Amy Winehouse. Um, that's not exactly good news, but it was an interesting insight into the short life that she had. And it ran over the news time here in Franklin. So I flipped the TV just before I turned it off. And it was immediately, you know, oh, breaking news. This, we just got news in this subdivision. Somebody got shot. You know, here's an accident. You know, oh, somebody else is being held at gunpoint. I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't turn this thing off quick enough. Why would I want to fill my brain with that right before I go to bed? Now, we have entire networks that are devoted to bad news. I mean, we have things like TMZ. I mean, just they look for celebrity news. And believe me, it's not good. It's bad. I mean, there are sites that are devoted to nothing but celebrity divorces. I mean, they're... The the fake news that comes out is amazing. I mean, uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. I mean, for years we've seen headlines that they're going through a $20 million divorce. And then they continue living the life that they do, you know, with their daughters and building their beautiful home, you know, on some property that they bought. Um, (laughs) We don't see that. They manufacture news, even if it's not true. I mean, we've seen a lot about... Carrie Underwood and her husband, Mike Fisher, about, you know, impending divorce. Well, talk to Carrie. That doesn't seem to be true, but that's what news stations look for. You know, what are the Kardashians doing? Are you kidding me? Why would we care what that crazy family is doing? I mean, my goodness, if if you're a guy, you better keep as far away as you can from that family. Every guy that gets involved with that family of girls has his life ruined. Just look at the history. Well, I won't go down that anymore. I was asked recently on a live show what rhythms I have to keep my personal and family life healthy. And one of the things I talked about briefly was my early morning routine in that I don't get up in the morning and first thing, grab the phone. For one thing, we don't have our phones in our bedroom. I know a lot of people do. You know, last thing at night, first thing in the morning, Joanna and I don't have our phones in our bedroom. That's not the first thing that we need to grab. We don't grab that to look at Facebook or look at the news feeds or whatever. Certainly don't turn the TV on. We don't get a newspaper because there's nothing but bad news in there. Uh, We've never had a TV in our bedroom. That's another issue. Uh, That's not what we consider our bedroom to be for our bedrooms, very special room in the house, and it doesn't include watching TV. But uh, there are some things that I do in the morning, early morning routine. I stretch, then meditate, then get on the treadmill, then shower. And Joanne and I, you know, I fix my smoothie. Joanne has her muffin and tea. We talk about what the day holds. And by 830, we're ready to go. I mean, the first three hours of the day are very, very important to me. And that's pretty much what that includes, about 530 to 830. Um, we, we know that um, 44% of people who are considered wealthy get up three hours before their workday starts. Only 3% of poor people do that. Poor people tend to get up 30 to 60 minutes before their workday starts. Now, that's just another tidbit. We can unpack that some more at some point if you'd like, but I really take seriously those first 
couple hours of the day and how that sets the stage for what the day is going to be. And that certainly does not include watching negative news. So anyway, in answer to your question, we kind of got carried away on that one. Nah, it's pretty tough to make. a. I mean, we know what the news stations do. They share things that are meant to engage your fight or flight response, you know, put you in the edge of your chair to get your eyeballs. That's all it is. They're not interested in, in reporting objective news. They're interested in holding your eyeballs there because then they can slip in a a commercial and the commercials are what generate the money. It's a money-making business. The news is that's all it is. It's not to keep us informed. It's a money-making business to keep our eyeballs or ears so that we listen to the commercials that generate the money. Very simple to unpack. And you can, if you understand it, you can certainly keep yourself outside that influence. Well, one of the things that um, I just got a note uh, this morning that uh, three of my grandsons are, have been given a challenge to read three positive books in like the next 60 days, and then they'll be rewarded for doing that by their godfather. Well, it's a really cool kind of thing. And I, I want to just remind you in this community, the kind of things that I would encourage you to read that are positive, that'll stretch your opportunities for success and lead you into new things that you didn't know were right there. And there, there are five books that I recommend to anybody to read before they hit 30 years old. Those books are How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, The Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz, and Acres of Diamonds by Russell Conwell. I'll put those in the show notes, but those are just standards that I recommend for anybody and certainly require any um, kids or grandkids of my own to read those. It sets the stage for what kind of mindset you're going to have and how you approach the world around you. Well, let me move on here. Vanetta says, I'm a 45-year-old woman. I have no idea what my purpose or passion is. I love to help people and I'm the epitome of a people person. I've worked in HR, though I do not have a degree. I enjoy doing new hire orientations, trainings, onboarding, event planning. Um, I feel stuck because I don't know what my purpose or passion is. I don't really know what skills, talents I have. I just take jobs because I need money. I have the 48 days book, but feel hopeless without knowing my calling skills and talents. Any advice for me? Should I go to school for a degree? I really just want to live my calling and serve, but I don't know what my calling is. All right. Now, yeah, I've got a couple of tips for you. Now, if you have 48 days, I mean, that uh, concerns me that you have that and that you've read that and still feel hopeless about finding your calling because I lay out so many processes in there for identifying those things that we, when you have a little life experience, you should see clear patterns. What are your unique skills and abilities? What are your personality characteristics? What are those recurring values, dreams, and passions? Those are the things that when you understand those and have a little life experience from which you can look back and see those, then you can identify Okay, it's in the blending of these things together. That would be the kind of work that would really be a fulfillment of my calling and trust it for what it is. I mean, we have enough clues as to what our calling is. It's not something just supernatural. You have to go sit on a rock and wait for a bolt of lightning. That's not the way it works at all. God gives us clues all along the way. You can figure this out if you've never had a supernatural thought in your life. Just look at the evidence and it'll lead you right to what your calling is. 
by understanding those things about yourself that you should know. Now, another thing I want to add to this, Vanetta, last week's quotation that we used was from Albert Einstein, who said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. Now, here's one of the greatest inventors in history. He says, I don't have any special talents. I'm just passionately curious. When people tell me they don't know what their passion is, I tell them the same thing. Follow your curiosity. Pay attention to those things that just get your attention, things that you want to develop a little bit more. I mean, what kind of things do you enjoy doing on the weekend, even when you aren't making money? What kind of magazines do you read? You know, what kind of events do you like to go to? What kind of people do you like to hang around? I mean, those things are all clues as to what your calling really is. Again, don't expect it to be something totally foreign to what you already know about yourself. No, expect it to embrace what you know about yourself. All right, I'm going to move on. Now, this one uh, says, please don't use my real name. So um, let's go with Frank. All right. Frank says, Dan, I'm 52. My wife is 47. I'm looking to implement some more long-term plans, things like where we would like to move once our kids are finished with school, uh, when a good time to sell the house is, et cetera. This isn't so much about money as she has a trust income, but more of a lifestyle issue. Now, my wife, who is a recovering alcoholic and suffers from depression, is totally hooked into the one day at a time thing, and anything beyond the day after tomorrow is too far ahead in her world. We obviously have a lot of work to do in that area, but what are your thoughts on this situation? Thanks for all you do. Well, Frank, I appreciate your your openness, your transparency on this, and I'm certain that there are other people listening who are experiencing the same thing. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Be the leader in your relationship. Now that includes a whole lot of things, perhaps. But share things that are important to you. Share what you're reading and thinking. I mean, I've done this for years with Joanne. You know, Joanne grew up in a very simple household, single, single mom, um, who was on welfare much of the time when she was growing up. But Joanne would have been re- very content if I had simply gotten a job at General Motors, you know, put in my 35 years, you know, get a retirement package. She would have been totally fine with that. So the things that I've always been interested in, the big dreams, big plans, big risk, you know, big adrenaline rush and all those things that come with that have always been a stretch for Joanne. But I share those things with her. I share what I'm thinking about. I share what I'm reading I mean, I read lots of books and I give her the, the cliff notes, the, just the important parts of that. Share with her what I'm thinking. Talk about where we'd like to be three years from now. Now, one of the things that we do know is that people's success is typically tied to the length of their time perspective. Now, let me give you an example of that. And I've, I've talked with my buddy Dave Ramsey about this over the years. We've seen this played out. And here's how that kind of works. If somebody is making 10 bucks an hour, and you are renting an apartment to them, you better collect your rent once a week, not once a month. Their timeline is so short. They get a paycheck on Friday, boom, it's all gone by Monday, and they start over again. Their timeline is so short. Now, as people's income goes up, Let's say they're making seventy dollars or $80,000 a year. So they start to think about, well, next year we could go to Disneyland. Next year we can open a Roth IRA. You know, next year, two years from now, we're going to do this. They start to extend their timeline in terms of their planning. Guess what happens when people are making three, dollars $400,000 a year? 
they can tell you what they're going to be doing 10 years from now. Now, here's where it gets challenging. You may think, well, yeah, if I were making three to $400,000 a year, it'd be easy for me to be planning 10 years out. But this is one of those chicken and the egg things, which comes first. What I have observed, and certainly in my own life have experienced, is when people are able to get a clear sense of where they'd like to be three, five, 10 years from now, all of a sudden, bigger chunks of success start showing up. Money does come easier and quicker. So extending your time frame is one of the key characteristics of highly successful people. Hopefully you can lead by example and lead your wife into being more comfortable with what that looks like. Even if there's a trust income, you know, so that making money is not, it's still, you lose the value of a rich life by not being able to plan out for what the future is going to be. Great question. Golly, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Great question indeed. All right. David says, how much should I charge my friends for my services? Here's my situation. I'm a painter and I've done a few jobs for close friends. So far, I've been charging an amount that is higher than I currently get paid as an employee, but less than the going rate if they were to go through a regular painting company. The other bonus to them is that most companies wouldn't even be interested in doing such small jobs. But there seems to be a notion with some people that they should get their friends' services for rock bottom prices. I don't subscribe to that view. What do you think, Dan? Well, you're on the right path here. Now, I like the way that you say that you're you're charging more than you would get paid as an employee, but less than they would get as a competitive rate from a regular painting company. That's a great place to be is in there. That ought to make sense for you as well. If you're getting more than you're getting paid in a regular job as a painter, yeah, that's a cool place to be. What I don't want you to do is price it so where you end up resenting doing it at all. You want to make a profit on every job. I mean, years ago, I was selling cars with my friend Jerry Hall in Anaheim, California. We were having a blast and I loved the whole process of selling cars. But I would have friends from church come by and they were like, well, you know, how much did you pay for that car? Or I'd have family members, you know, well, you know, can you just sell it to me at cost? Well, I would do that. And then, you know, three months later, they show up, hey, the transmission just went out of this. You know, I think you ought to repair it since it was such a short period of time. Now, we didn't have those kind of guarantees, but obviously there's some sense of responsibility that failed. You know what I started doing? I started charging reasonable profits to friends from church and family members. So when they came back with an unreasonable request four months later, I could say, well, sure, I'd be happy to take care of that. So it made for a great relationship, but it was based on the fact that I had made a reasonable profit on the front end. So I would not regret or resent that transaction totally. So what I would encourage you to do, David, be fair and do exceptional work. Make a profit on every job that you do, but be, do such exceptional work and provide such exceptional service. So they're going to tell everyone they know about how phenomenal you are. I mean, you can grow a magnificent business by making fair profits, making extraordinary money on what you do. 
if you really are providing that extraordinary kind of service. Absolutely. Now, this comes from Lauren, who says, Dan, recently you shared about a woman who writes and gets paid a dollar a word for two 3,000-word articles a month. Yeah, I remember talking about Beth. You said to do a web search for jobs, but I'm afraid to put myself out there with no writing portfolio except my bachelor's work and on websites that seem sketchy. How do I know which jobs are legitimate? Some are obviously scams or paying too little for the work asked. My dad, a longtime listener of yours, really thinks I can write for a customer like that, but I have my doubts in the work available. Any advice to get started? And Lauren says, I also wanted to mention that we call you the Bob Ross of life coaches. Your presence is always warm, welcoming, and encouraging. We appreciate what you do. Golly, some of you aren't old enough to know who Bob Ross was. Bob Ross was this amazing guy who painted on TV and taught these very simple techniques for drawing trees and water and whatever it was. Just a a wonderful guy. Had a long, long history. The Bob Ross of life coaches. I like that. I like that a lot. Thanks, Lauren. That's that's really cool. Well, anyway, back to your question. How do you get paid? How do you find jobs for writing? How do you get paid without going through websites that seem sketchy? I've got I've got a real simple solution for you here. But before I do that, let me tell you this. Yeah, the sketchy ones are the ones that say, well, yeah, we can pay you for writing, but first you have to give us, you know, $350 for us to send you the materials that you're going to need. I mean, what are they going to send you? A sketch pad and a pencil? I mean, ones that ask for money in advance, yeah, they're sketchy. Don't do those. Here's what you need to do. Get, just jump on Amazon, get Writer's Market 2017. The subtitle is The Most Trusted Guide to Getting Published. This is the 96th edition. Get the one. It's by Robert Lee Brewer, but Writer's Market 2017. I mean, get it today. It's uh, $21.39, and it is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars if you, in fact, want to be a writer and don't know how to get into that. So here's, here's from the description. Want to get published and paid for your writing? Let Writer's Market 2017 guide you through the process with thousands of publishing opportunities for writers, including listings for book publishers, consumer and trade magazines, contests and awards, and literary agents. These listings feature contact and submission information to help writers get their work published. Now you really can. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, I get this every year. I mean, this is really worth its weight in gold. It'll show you how to, how to write query letters. I mean, you don't, Typically, with a magazine, you don't send them a fully completed article. You send them a query letter. Would you be interested in this topic developed into a 1,200-word essay that I would write? That kind of thing. It'll show you how to do that. It'll show you who to send it to. It'll tell you what magazines pay. Now, I've written for a lot of magazines, and I don't look for pay at all. I look for the promotion that leads people back to 48 days where they then spend money on other things. But if you, in fact, want to be paid for your writing, and have I been paid for writing? Yeah. I mean, every year, AARP magazine focuses on, in December, the December issue focuses on people over 50 who are changing careers. Well, they contacted me and said, would you write an article? I mean, obviously, I'm kind of in that space helping people change careers. I said, sure. So I agreed to write the article. Then they came back a couple of days later and said, now we've only budgeted $4,000 to pay you for that. Will that be okay? 
Well, I, I laughed out loud, I'm sure, to myself, uh, because, of course, I would have done it for nothing because of the exposure. That goes out, they claim a readership of 38 million people. I mean, there's nothing even close, not even Reader's Digest, to AARP magazine. But anyway, yeah, I have been paid for writing, but it's rare. Most of my writing has not been to be paid for the writing. It's to draw people into the other things that I do. But absolutely, this takes care of your question, Lauren, 100%. Get Writer's Market 2017. You'll find a lot of opportunities in there that are not scammy or sketchy. They're real bona fide organizations. They're magazines looking for content, websites looking for content, and you can go right directly to those and and you'll find opportunities to get paid. I mean, that's not unreasonable expectation at all. All right, now here's here's our kind of a, uh, this is our hallmark question for the day. This comes from Jeremy. He says, Dan, you responded to a question of mine about six years ago on the show. Then I was living vicariously through my wife because she was self-employed and I wasn't. Great news. I shortly thereafter left the J-O-B making six figures to join her. The bad news is, Listen to this. Boy, talk about good news, bad news. Jeremy says, the bad news is we've been very successful and I'm losing the spark. We could retire now in my early 30s. I think it's a question of motivation. I've been praying and thinking a ton, but once again, I've lost clear direction. Too many options. No real financial motivation. Paid off house, plenty in retirement, savings to travel the world for years with our kids and cash to spare. No desire to retire. No real passion right now. How to find passion when none is apparent, but striving to live on mission and a diehard capitalist. Wow. Jeremy, we could write a book on this one. And this is the dog catches the car. I mean, what happens when a dog catches the car? You know, he sits down and he doesn't know what to do. And that's kind of how you describe yourself here. Man, you caught the car, that the drive that we all have to get out there and, you know, kill something, drag it home, as Dave Ramsey says, you know, to, to make money, to get money in our retirement, to pay off the house. You've done all those things, you know, have money to travel. Boom. What do you do now? Well, we've seen this be the destruction of a whole lot of people. You don't want to go there. I know you don't. You're serious about this. And I'm going to give you some tips for how to approach this. But we've seen this played out so many times. Now, there are a couple things that can come into play here. One is the upper limit challenge. There's sometimes when people find money coming in too quickly and it doesn't match their sense of deserving, they sabotage their success. So the money, in fact, goes away. Now, again, you don't want to do that, but we see this, I mean, golly, I live here in Nashville, Tennessee. We've seen this played out a thousand times where somebody comes on, has a hit song. I won't mention any names, has a hit song and they're a one hit wonder. All of a sudden, you know, I've seen people who literally had a, a one hit hit and they go out and buy two Hummers or lease them typically, lease two Hummers, you know, buy a million dollar house. And six months later, they're bankrupt because the money didn't continue. It just was one big hit and it didn't continue. They get themselves overextended. Marty Robbins, the old country singer, guy sang a white sport coat, and a pink carnation, um, streets of El Paso, all the, some old songs. He made a lot of money outside of music. 
Now he made a lot of money in music, but he made real money in real estate because he had so many musician friends who would get into trouble. And Marty would say, look, I'll take over the mortgage payments for you until you get back on your feet. Now we'll sign these papers in that if you don't get back on your feet, the property is mine, but I'll bail you out and cover you in this period of time. He got a whole lot of property. I mean, there's property uh, within a stone's throw of where I'm sitting here that he had because he got it in that way. It was beneficial for everybody, but he was smart enough to stay on top of that wave and made a whole lot of money, not in music, but in real estate. Now, here's the deal. In answer to your question, Jeremy, working is to exercise your gift. Without using that, without working, you've told your body to start sending parts on ahead of you. And we see that played out when people hit retirement. Even though they're in good health, we see people hit retirement and all of a sudden their health deteriorates and, you know, a year later they're dead. It's like, you got to be kidding me. But when you have more to look back on than you have to look ahead to, you've just told your body it can start shutting down. It's not needed anymore. Now think about that. I mean, it relates to a previous question here that we were talking about a little bit ago as well. If you have more to look back on than you have to look forward to, you're telling your body, your brain, your mind, your spirit, hey, you can turn off, you can shut down. And we see that played out a whole lot. Now, what happens when you don't have to work just for the money? I mean, what a marvelous, marvelous place to be. And I have the privilege of working with a lot of people who are in exactly that position. They've knocked it out of the park financially. They don't have to work for money anymore. But the question still is, why do you get up the next morning? I talked to a gentleman just recently who retired from one of the automotive manufacturing plants after a long, illustrious career there. And um, soon thereafter, went through a very horrendous, unexpected divorce. So after a long career, he thought everything was going to be fine. You know, they're forced to sell their house and a lot of other things happened. And I ask him, I said, you know, what are you going to do? Well, he said, oh, I figured it out. You know, between my retirement and social security, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to make it. I said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about what are you going to do? What gets you up in the morning? You know, what, what is that calling, that passion, that mission that you still need to complete? He was totally blank. He didn't have anything because in his mind, he had accomplished what the American dream is all about. I made enough money so I don't have to work the rest of my life. I'll be okay. Wow, is that the future that you want to look for? Jeremy, you certainly don't indicate that. In your early 30s? Oh my gosh. But you don't work just to get enough money for yourself. You work to engage your talent and your passion. Money just keeps showing up as a byproduct. I mean, congratulations on not needing any more money. But now you have that beautiful window of opportunity, that luxury of being able to look at your why. Take a fresh look at your purpose, your mission here on earth. I mean, what a wonderful place to be where your motivation is no longer driven by a mortgage that needs to be paid or to put groceries on the table or to save up for a two-week vacation. Now you can look at ways to leverage your money to do the most good. But you can't stop working. You absolutely cannot stop working. That's a dangerous, dangerous move. 
mean, if God has given you the talent for making lots of money, then you have the responsibility to continue doing just that. To stop the flow of money coming through you puts you in immediate jeopardy of having your whole life shut down. When I talked to a realtor one time, well, I got been in real estate investing, early 40s, a little older than you, Jeremy, but early 40s, and he had made a lot of money. And, and he said essentially the same thing. He said, you know, I don't have to work anymore. My kids aren't going to have to work. You know, I've got enough money. I can just do nothing, you know, play golf, fish. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Don't do that. My gosh, if God gave you the talent and ability for making money, it's your responsibility to continue doing that. I mean, the Old Testament talks about blessed to be a blessing. You, I mean, if, if you cut off the flow of money coming through that, you're like a hose where you turn off the water. You know what happens to the water that's in that hose when it's not moving through anymore? It becomes stagnant really quickly. It becomes extremely hot if the sun is shining. It's really no good for anything. You have to have water moving through to have the benefits of water, pure, clean, fresh, cool. It has to be moving. The same thing is true with money through you. If you stop the money flow through you, your life is going to deteriorate. Wow. Great question. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Love, love, love the, uh, opportunity to talk about that a little bit. Well, let me grab maybe one more here. Nancy says, I'm just devouring 48 days and no more Mondays. Binge listening to your podcast and being transformed by your work. I'm a large scale event planner, but working for a nonprofit making very low hourly pay without fulfillment. I was a homeschooling mom of a blended family until last year. My kids are gone. And now I'm in a position to pursue lifelong dreams that have been on hold. I'm a writer, very gifted administratively with a lifelong interest in small business. I've started blogging, but also want to start a virtual administrative assistant business for small business owners to help them design and implement unique operating systems that free them to move to the next level with their business. Many people are gifted at making money in a business, but not as comfortable running one. Is that a viable idea? I'm not sure how to begin. What's your advice? Well, it certainly is, Nancy. I mean, to help businesses access virtual assistance, as you described, absolutely. That's a real explosive need. With that, there are a whole lot of amazing people already doing that. Now, what you need to do is go to, I mean, one of the principles that we all understand is if you want to move to a higher level of success, find people who are already at that level of success and model their behavior. I mean, very simple things. We're right in the process of revising, updating our website. What I do is go to three or four websites that I really admire and we model those. I mean, it's a principle that Tony Robbins talks about. You model the behavior of a person whose success you want to emulate. So here's, here's just a, a real quick kind of overview um, of some of the people that are already doing a really good job in this space of helping people find virtual assistants. You can check these out. Virtual Staff Finder, that's our 
friend Chris Ducker. Chris just moved from the Philippines to back to England, but he has a company in the Philippines where they have about 450 virtual assistants. So virtual staff finder, they do a great job of that. One of the really big ones, perhaps the biggest one out there is Upwork. That has encompassed Odesk and Elance and some others over the years, but Upwork, you'll find that be a massive source and one that we use often, but you can find people there to do virtually anything. Guru.com. If you want to be more specific, you can go to Virtual Assistant Israel. You can get virtual assistants who live in Israel. They're very articulate, educated, very competent, but they're all from one nation. You can go to Shelancers. You can go to vworker.com. So, you know, check out some of the sites that are already there that are doing a great job. You're going to have to determine what is your unique selling proposition. What is it that you're going to do that is not being done well already? Now, you can be successful by simply doing something 10% better or providing added value, but you're going to have to determine what is that? What's going to distinguish you so you can become known as the go-to person for virtual assistance in this area? You may choose a specific industry where you provide virtual assistance for medical offices, you know, or for real estate offices or something like that. I mean, that would be a way to distinguish yourself, but you're going to have to do that. You can't just be one more virtual assistant service out there because there's some really big players who know what they're doing, have a lot of experience and are doing an amazing job. Well, incidentally, we we have a a lot of questions, comments, help going on in the 48 Days Eagles environment. My goodness, in there, we've got some really cool things that are happening. Uh, 48 Days Eagles. One of the things that that I'm doing, and it's a blast doing it, is that everybody who joins, when they join, I do a video welcome personal. This is not some canned thing. I mean, actually write your name on a little marker board, hold it up and say, Hey, Nancy, you know, welcome to 48 days Eagles. You know, looking forward to understanding what we can do to serve you well. And also looking forward to your unique area of contribution. I mean, something like that. Well, we're having a lot of fun with that. And I love doing that every day. Just pop in there and see who, who is new in there. But if you aren't a part of that yet, I want to make it easier for you to see things that are going on in there. And they need to be able to share. We want to share some of our Monday mentor calls that are just amazing that are happening in there. But check out 48dayseagles.com if you're looking for some people to link arms with, some people that you can trust that aren't sketchy or scammy, some people that you can trust where you can you know, get alongside them and figure out how to make your life better, how to reach those higher levels of success that you're now just seeing in the distance. You're seeing clearly what you want three years to look like. You're looking out, you know it's coming, you're creating a plan to make it happen. Well, hey, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening, for your encouragement, your feedback, for letting me know I'm the Bob Bob Ross of Life Coaches. That's a hoot. I'll hang on to that for a week. But if you've got questions, you know you can just shoot them in to askdan at 48days.com. But let us know how we can serve you well. Let us know your unique areas of competence, the success stories that you've got, questions that you've got about moving on. Delighted to hear those every week. You know it's a highlight of my week to open that magic mailbox and uh, go through the questions that you all submit and just engage with you in this way that I hope you find helpful for all of us who are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.